Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. And today is really fun because we are going back to some interviews. And so this is the first one that I'm recording in quite a few months, but I'm excited about it. Um, And we just met for the very first time. So I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and how you are involved with the movement. Okay, well, my name's Kate Sears. Um, where I'm from, that's 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 going to take a while longer. Okay, right now I'm sitting in Lexington, Kentucky. So um, I'm part of Kentucky's Wilderness Road Council. Um, I was actually born in a town called Napier, New Zealand, which is a 60,000 people sort of on the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand. Um, I've been living here in America this time just over six years now. So um, I, you could say I've been a Girl Scout troop leader for probably about eight years altogether, but they've been widely separated times. But right now I am currently a cadet leader in Lexington, Kentucky, and I'm also one of the Trailblazer team uh, starting up our new Trailblazer troop for our council. That is really, really cool. And as you know, because we've obviously geeked out about this a little bit before recording, but I am just so excited to hear more about this story. So tell me about your troop, first of all. Let's start with your current cadet troop. Um, How big is your troop? How long have you been with this troop? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, my girls are currently eighth graders, except for one, and there are six of them, uh, including my daughter. Um, so the trip came about because I, when I moved here, uh, my daughter was six and I wanted to get her into scouts because I had been right through girl guides and I'd been a girl guide leader. Um, and because of the difference in the school system, she's actually considerably younger than her grade level. Um, so we entered a troop and most of the girls were in the grade older than her which actually worked out with her being about three years younger than the rest of them and it just it it wasn't a good fit um and at that point I hadn't really considered going back to leading but at that point um (laughs) there was a parent meeting and uh, a lot of the parents were kind of pulling back from this so these girls were eight eight and nine and they're like well Kate you seem to know what you're doing how about you have a go and I was sort of like okay um so I dropped I you know I said okay I'll I'll give it a shot but it just really wasn't a good fit um because I was working at my daughter's level and she was six um and I had these girls that were considerably older and um there were personality clashes and all sorts of things going on. So at the end of that year, a lot of the girls left scouts and I'm like, right, well, I might just try and do this properly. And I started my own troop. And I guess like most places, uh, this, the troops are based around like schools. So, um, you know, that they will meet at a school. All the girls are mostly from the same schools, at least at elementary level. Um, And what I did was I actually ended up studying a community troop. So my girls are spread right over the city, um, living up to like 40 minutes apart, which gives out 
troop of different character. All my girls go to different schools, which is quite nice. Um, so I started that when my daughter would have been in third, beginning of third grade. So I had her for one year as a brownie. Um, and I had girls in second and third grade that year, I think. Yeah, so I had first year brownies, second year brownies. And um, we've had girls come and go. Um, I've still got six there that are still pretty involved. And um, we actually just came back from our service unit camp on Sunday, which was nice because it's very strange now. They're all 12 and 13. Um, with the pandemic, hadn't seen them for a while. And at the beginning of the pandemic, they were little girls. And now some of them are five foot seven and terrifyingly mature because yeah I had that briefly too before my troop collapsed yeah, so, uh, yeah. It, it was it was quite startling the, the, yes. the, the maturity level difference and just how they would speak to you um just almost treat you more like an equal than they just call me Kate now instead of Miss Kate um, just just things like that that you know it's not something we decided on it's just kind of happened because we had that break We've come back and now they're enormous and scary. <laughs> so, yes. And yep. I, should, I mean, I've been living with my daughter the whole time and she's also enormous and scary. So I, sh I should have known, but. It's know. different though, because you see her every day. So you see the evolution so slowly, like the yeah. pandemic. And I feel like all of us can relate to this, whether our girls are in middle school or younger or older or whatever, because that was a really big time of development. And girls just grow so fast. And so basically a year to a year and a half of time, there's just going to be, and and I'm so with you because eighth grade is where most of my girls were as well. And so, um, yeah, sixth to eighth grade is hugely different developmentally. They're like completely different. They look like completely different people. It's terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've got this theory here that, that, the kids of this generation are going to be probably like an inch taller than they would have been otherwise because they've been working really? from home. They've been able to sleep longer and they've been able to eat anything that's not nailed down. So <laughs> we've decided that they're, they're going to totally meet their like genetic height requirements and, and be especially tall. Interesting. That, that go through puberty during the pandemic. I, yeah, I swear my daughter's almost my height and I'm five foot nine, so... Yeah, we uh, missed out on obviously going to girl um, last year. Yeah, and yeah. So we've actually, it's a terrible problem to have, but we've got quite a bit of money sitting there waiting to go, uh, to go on a trip. So I guess I can't agree. Yes. Have to decide where and when. And no one's really completely comfortable with um, making hard and fast plans yet. Um, you know, maybe in six months we could decide, but. Yeah, yeah. We I actually had that problem too, except then I had the added problem of no girls to spend the money on. So um yeah, it was really strange. But uh I think it poses for an interesting position to be in because doing Girl Scouts on a really slim budget has been just part of the experience for me. And I know every troop is different. Some troops have really like insane super sellers, and so after the first year, they have a really healthy budget. I've never had a really healthy budget. 
we've always been skating as thin as possible, um, especially when we started saving up for our first big trip and then our first big trip got canceled. And so um, and then the girls didn't come back. So we never took it, which is really crazy because now um, for those who have been listening to this podcast for a couple of weeks, I just did a recap of what happened. My troop kind of changed and and started over with brand new troop leaders. I'm I'm done with it, but brand new troop leaders and daisies. And now this daisy troop is starting with a really healthy bank account of like <laughs> a couple thousand dollars, which is insane because especially as daisies like that are brand new, they have no progression. I mean, they have a budget to do kind of anything they want, yeah. which will be nuts. Well, it's a, it's an amazing opportunity, but absolutely they, imagine all the possibilities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sure there's so many troops around the country that are in the same position. I know. Yeah. And, and it's tough because like you people. said, even with your troop coming back, which thank goodness, but even with your troop coming back, it's hard to plan anything right now. Like planning a replacement is tough because the news changes so quickly and different areas have different restrictions. And so even if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in an area that's more open, trying to go to another area is tough because you just don't know, especially to plan in advance. You don't know three months or six months from now what their numbers are going to look like, what their um, restrictions are going to look like. And it's just, it's just a really strange time for planning ahead. Yeah, we've really just kind of pressed pause on that and uh, just keeping things local and simple at the moment. Just things like my girls are obviously cadet age. So just even doing small things where I, you know, say kidnap them at midnight to take them out to Waffle House or something like that. We're just going with small things. That sounds super fun. Well, part of your night owl. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, we're, we're just kind of, just keeping things small at the moment and probably like a lot of leaders I'm really focused on the outdoor stuff at the moment not just because you know in terms of COVID transmission it's healthier but because these kids need to be outside right now absolutely I, I hate to think you know the hour after hour some of the kids have suffered through these zoom classes um quite often alone um they need to be in the woods <laughs> Which, and the healing uh, like it's been emotionally exhausting for all of us kids included and to be surrounded by such dissension and division and divisiveness and to be quite frank death for the past year and a half it is emotionally exhausting and the earth is healing right being outside and being in the woods it heals us and the kids and us we need that we really need that right now yeah and absolutely and that's I mean that's what we did over the last weekend um just we had a a service unit sort of um encampment and as a troop we were just able to I didn't program the girls they got to do a little climbing wall they got to do a little archery but a lot of what they did was hang out and talk to each other, hang out and talk to me, just um, cook random things over the fire, just sort of just have time outdoors. And fortunately, the weather was great. And it was actually really, really nice, really healing. So I kind of recommend that actually just getting your girls outside with no particular plan, Um, just especially the older girls, I think, just even out in a meadow, 
look at butterflies, sit around for these kids that have been inside and gone through all this stuff over the last 18 months. I think it actually can be quite healing. I can feel that it is for myself. I'm sure it is for them too. I completely agree with you. I think um, it's really powerful and so special that those girls, obviously your daughter, but those girls have you as an adult that they can just sit and talk to in those moments. So I really think that that's special and really good advice. On a related note, what kinds of things do you love and your troop? What do you what do you guys love cooking over a fire? It seems like as long as it involves cheese, it gets the big tick. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I'm just trying to think what they did. There was a lot of things like seeing what we can grill on these sticks from Snickers bars to can we make a grilled cheese on a stick? Just things like that. I think <laughs> like just I trying it is fun, right? Almost, you know, you don't like to say you're fooling around with a fire, but they were fooling around with what they could do with a fire. Um, so, yeah just completely unprogrammed and very, very fun and relaxing. That's so, I think that's really important to talk about because um, so many of us are like kind of over planners and especially when you have younger girls or when you grow with the girls and you're used to them being younger and kind of looking to you to fill their time. But it is so important for the girls to have time to talk. And I know you hear again and again, leaders talk about being frustrated, especially once you hit middle school, that the girls want to sit around and talk or that they talk through your meeting plan or they talk through um, whatever activities you planned. And it's like, I think we all need to kind of collectively realize, especially right now, that sometimes what girls need is time to just be together, just be. Yeah. To be honest, it's exactly what adult women do, too. So why we why we would think that adolescent women would be any different, I do not know. I mean, if you if you're at a a, a training or something that that takes a day, you're going to sit by your friends. You're going to talk to them during the that. That's that's what we do. It's what adults do. It's what humans do. So. Definitely. That's a really good point. And I think part of the reason why we get frustrated is because as the quote unquote leader, the troop leader, right, we, I think, sometimes can feel a lot of pressure both internally and externally to make the time count. And it's hard to kind of see quote unquote success in just hanging out, but realizing that provide, and I mean, I've harped on this a lot if you've been listening for a while, but um Providing a safe space for girls to just be girls is so freaking critical to their development. So I think that that is really special. But I want to um, I want to dial it back because this is definitely a heavy topic. It's super important and super relevant right now. And I'm so glad that we had a chance to kind of talk about this. But I also want to talk about simpler times. You mentioned you were a girl guide growing up. This is fascinating to me. And I want you, if you're listening, I want you to tell me if you're equally as fascinated by this. I know so much about Girl Scouts. I love Girl Scouts. I want to know more about Girl Scouting and Girl Guiding around the world. Can you tell us what is it like and what you feel like maybe some of the similarities or differences of the program 
Um, and obviously, I know you. It's been it's been a, a minute since you were a kid involved, and so Girl Scouts was also different in the USA when you were a kid. Um, so to compare it is not a direct comparison, maybe, but share kind of what you feel like are some similarities. Sure. Um, I don't know that the basic structure of Girl Guides has changed in New Zealand in in the way that Girl Scouting has changed here in terms of um, what levels you go through, ages, all that sort of thing. I mean, uh, I'm not sure when it was that you guys had ambassadors added and that sort of thing. What's the same? Um, What's the same? Camp songs? So camp songs, I think that's really cool. And so one of the things that, um, of course, you guys often get the words wrong or the extra. <laughs> yes, I've heard that, but that's very American of us, that. isn't it? <laughs> do you teach your girls um, your version then, or do you teach them the American false version? Well, to be honest, when it comes to Girl Scout songs, I get them wrong, but not because I'm singing a New Zealand version. It's because I'm singing a North Carolina version. Which mm. in Kentucky is, <laughs> is um, not right for Kentucky. So I, I have a very um, clear memory of my daughter the first time she did a summer day camp here when she was, oh, she must have been seven. And um, she's singing songs on the way home from day camp. And I'm like, that's, that's not how I sing it. That's not the words I sing. And she looked at me and said, don't worry, mommy, day camp isn't canon. <laughs> <laughs> so only sleepover camp is canon apparently um, got it okay you know, it's it's hard for me to come up with what is the same because they are very similar I, I I'm probably better at telling you what's different and what and the, these were all things that tripped me up when I came here because okay I made the assumption that it would be similar in both so the way girls transition from level to level is different. Um, our levels are not grade-based, or in New Zealand, you wouldn't call it a grade, but year at school. Um, you they're, they're age-based, which is how our school works as well. For example, in New Zealand, you don't start school at the beginning of the school year closest to you being the right age you actually start on your fifth birthday no matter when it is in the year so you might start like three weeks before the end of the year that means the teachers aren't getting a whole class of new kids who've never been to school before at the same time so um, the start of our year is the end of January uh, which is the end of summer and then um, we break for the year just before Christmas so um, so Say me, for example, I started school in July because that's when my birthday was. I didn't wait till the January after that. So what happens with uh, guides is that girls start on as they change age, not as they change year of school. So um, our first level, which basically corresponds to daisies, are called pippins, which I always thought was really cute. They have a little, a little apple symbol. Pippins. Um, I never got to be a Pippin because Pippins started in New Zealand the year after I became old enough to be a brownie. So I never got to be a Pippin, much to my disgust, because I thought I thought their little uniform was way cuter than what I had to wear. Um, so pretty much uh, 
Pippins are the five and six-year-olds. Um, brownies are seven through about nine and a half. Then guides are about nine and a half through 12 and a half, 13. And then ranges are sort of 13 through finish of high school, which, which in New Zealand you'd almost always be 17. And the other big difference is that unlike here, your, your troop, when, um, okay, so brownies are a pack um, and guides are a company as our rangers, so we don't call them troops. Um, your leader doesn't move with you. For example, my uh, guide leader had been the leader of that company for over 40 years at the point I had her. So you move through the company rather than your troop moving through the levels, if that makes sense. So your brownie leader will be different from your guide leader. And it certainly isn't as common as here for parents to be leaders. Um, the leaders I had were either retired women or university student age. And I was a leader when I was a university student age of guide level girls. So those are the main differences. I would also say that the, and I think this is still true, that the guide program in New Zealand is a lot more outdoor based than yeah. the Girl Scout program here. Um, very into things like um, outward bound style adventure and things. And this is one of the reasons that I'm on the Trailblazer team because that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, at what the, what the Trailblazer program is very much more like what guides and rangers do in New Zealand and brownies to an extent. Yeah. Okay, I'm fascinated by all of this. Um, so, when if you start, um, basically when you're like that age old enough so then essentially I would think that means you're recruiting new members all the time you're constantly in a state of recruitment then does that sound right yeah pretty much so with with the little pippins girls generally start around about the time that they start school um and then um if you know a you will have like a progression in, in your area. Like you start in this, this Pippin, um, they call them a Pippin pack. And then you move to the Brownie pack that's sort of associated with it. And then the guide one, but you don't, it, it, it all depends on like where you live and that sort of thing. But um, And is I'm there, just, I'm not sure how to explain it. And is there something like a ceremonial passing from one level to the next for individuals? Kind of oh, like absolutely, yep. Just just the same as here. Um, so brownies fly up to guides, just like brownies fly up to juniors here, and we have a set of wings that are almost identical to what they wear here. Um, we don't have the rainbow style bridges I'm not even sure if we, I, I honestly can't remember whether we called it bridging but brownies to guides is definitely flying up gotcha gotcha so then 
is there a ceremony for each individual girl as they age up or is it like a seasonal thing and anybody who flies up during that time is part of it how what does that look like I suspect that um, that that's uh, sorry. I think that that's probably controlled by the leader. Um, or with older girls, they do. It's very much girl led, just like here. Um, so they may like once a term do a ceremony, even if the girl has come to three or four meetings because she's old enough. They may um, like fly. A group of girls up together. Um, I remember that when I went from brownies to guides, I flew up with two or three other girls um, at the, and you know, if your birthday's coming up within the next sort of holidays, they'll probably fly you up just in the last meeting beforehand, but they, they're generally not things that last the entire meeting. So it might be 15, 20 minutes to fly up the girls that need to move to the next level. And then, of course, we also have um, like a promise ceremony. Um, what do you guys call that here? Um, investiture if you're brand new and rededication yeah. if you're yeah. returning. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess investiture for the, the little ones and rededication for the older ones. And I, when I was the leader, I would save those up and, and once a term have a little party and do that. But and the girls were able to do things before that, that it just, it made it easier to sort of group them a little bit. And for uniforms, do you have the same kind of like um, membership pin? Um, it's very similar. Um, trefoil based. Um, obviously, our, our world badge is exactly the same. Um my, uh, I have my one. Um, it's changed quite a bit since it's more style. Sure, yeah. Now. Uh, I believe the current one has like a trefoil with a silver fern underneath it. Uh, silver fern is one of the like um, logos of our country, I guess, in the same way that like the bald eagle and Uncle Sam, I guess, are like logos of America. Got it. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And, and so... Go ahead. In the beginning, uh, in the beginning, our program was very much based on on what was happening in England. Probably up into the eighties would be my guess. They're very very similar overlap. You know, we um, we had brownies would have sixes, guides have patrols, um, but they would be based on the same sorts of things the ones in England were. So you know, like pixies and gnomes and things like that. Um, in the eighties, they became much more individual to New Zealand and used our uh, native flora and fauna and things like that so by the time I was there um, I would have been in a, pa a patrol I think when I was the patrol leader of Corfi patrol which is a, a beautiful native bush with yellow flowers just it, they sort of separated a bit out their identity from the UK system and now I it's very much now it's very much more based on, uh, has a lot more Māori tanga in it for the native people, um, a lot of more New Zealand Aotearoa-based things. I am so fascinated and I have so many questions, but I'm going to try to narrow it down. So let's go to the obvious one that I feel like probably a lot of people 
would be thinking, which is the big cookie question. Did you sell cookies? Did you, what other, did you raise money? What did that look like? So we did sell cookies. Um, in New Zealand, they are not called cookies. They are called biscuits. So um, we don't have what you guys call biscuits. To me, that's kind of like a scone, but not really. <laughs> so our, right. our, our cookies were, um, they're just called Girl Guide Biscuits. And they were pretty much all the time that I was in guides. They were a um, like very much like, very, very much actually like the thanks a lots. They were a cookie with sort of a vanilla flavor with um, chocolate coating on the back. Um, before that, when I was when I was very small, they didn't have the chocolate coating, but they were very popular because people would use them for baking, for like making cheesecake crusts and things like that. And we they came in these really cool boxes that had 12 packets in each and they had a little handle at the top. So everyone wanted to keep these big boxes. They were, they were ubiquitous. You'd see them everywhere in people's garages with tools in them and all sorts of things. Um, when I was a teenager um, and when my younger sibling was a brownie, um, they introduced the ones with the chocolate and then they introduced minis, which were basically the same cookies, but about an inch and a half in diameter. Um, and unfortunately, and it has been since I moved to America, they have they stopped. Uh, the girls don't sell them anymore. What happens is they actually have a partnership with one of the biggest supermarket chains in New Zealand and at a certain time of year you can buy them in the supermarket which uh, if I believe my Facebook feed it actually started last week so if you're in New Zealand go buy some Girl Guide biscuits. Wow so the girls don't have any part in it at this point. To be honest I am not 100% sure. Um, Fascinating. I, I think that they would be I, I, I don't believe that there was much money really being earned. And I think they're able to generate more money this way. I'm not sure. Definitely. I mean, I could see that. I could see that even here, although we do generate, obviously, up to 80% of our operating budget um, as an organization comes from cookies. So definitely we do make money, but I, I could definitely see a, a major store carrying them would absolutely make more so that but that's really really interesting okay um as much as i could talk about this all day obviously i'm not going to keep you all day so just tell me this um what's one of your favorite memories about being a girl guide as a kid when i was i think i was 13 when i was 13 i went to a jamboree so um every four years they have a jamboree where all the guides and rangers, well, not, obviously not all of them, but the guides and rangers come and have a massive camp with thousands of girls. Um, so I went and I was, um, at that age, I was one of the older guides. And we had girls from all around the country in our unit. Um, I had girls in my tent who'd come over from England to attend. So I was with a close friend and I had two English girls in my tent as well. And we had the most amazing time for like a week. I remember having the absolute like post-camp blues when I went home, but fantastic camp with 
just thousands of people and got to do a lot of amazing outdoor adventure stuff and uh, definitely not forget that. So to the point where I volunteered to be a leader um, would have been eight years after that when I was a young leader myself. And I'll tell you what, it is definitely not the same when you go as a leader than when you go as a teenager. Oh, that's a really, really cool memory. I I like feel such a sense of missing out because um, I feel like in the USA, we can do cool camping opportunities across states and even, you know, bringing together girls from all across the U.S. But I feel like there's so much less of an international component. And that's one of the things that one of the reasons I'm super interested in conversations like this and um, and some of the conversations I've had in the past about World Thinking Day and whatnot, because I think that, I mean, and maybe this is very American in general of us, but I just feel like I I so yearn for a greater connection to that global sisterhood. Yeah, there, there is definitely a difference in that. Um, right from when I was seven, you know, we would, it was more than just thinking day, like our connection. We would do badges from other countries and all sorts of things. Um, almost, I've always felt like I am a member of WAGs rather than any particular sort of countries group. I, for example, and I probably shouldn't do this, but I have I have a leader vest in, but my tab has my promise pin on it. Um, and some of my uh, adult qualifications like quartermaster and my level three leader badge and all that sort of thing from New Zealand, as well as some of my things I've done here because I feel like I'm not just a Girl Scout, I'm a WAGS member, so. I seriously love that. And if I saw you out at an event and you had um, sort of formal uniform pieces that were WAGS oriented, we would definitely have a conversation. So um, I think that's awesome. (laughs) So tell me one of your proudest moments as a volunteer, an adult volunteer, and it can be girl guiding or girl scouting. I have a girl in my troop who is selectively mute. And uh, when she was very small, um, she's incredibly friendly. She's a lovely kid from a lovely family, uh, but she just does not speak outside outside her own home. Um, One of my favorite things that ever happened to me as a leader was I was sitting down one day at a meeting, the girls were playing a game. She came over to me and sat down beside me and told me that she liked this game very much and could we play it again, please? Um, and she hadn't spoken a full sentence to me before. Um, and then since then, I've seen her as a cadet uh, ask someone at a cookie booth what their favourite cookie was, an adult that she had never seen before. Um, so just seeing change like that, that I think has been one of the best things because, you know, from from month to month, sometimes it's hard to see the change in the girls, but if you look back over their whole experience from, you know, starting with my girls were seven-ish when we started because I never got to be a daisy leader, but now that they're nearly 14, the difference is 
glaringly obvious. And that's one of the most amazing things to me, just um, one being an adult that she trusted enough to speak to outside the home and then seeing her after years of trying gather the confidence to speak. A lot of the program and even, you know, from things down to some of the cookie boxes, um, you know, the Samoa's cookie boxes has got a girl obviously standing up and speaking out about something. For some girls, that just looks like what's your favourite flavour of cookie. For some girls, that's making a, a speech at the United Nations. But for some girls, that is just say, being able to say to an adult, what is your favourite flavour of cookie? And um, I don't think we should be overlooking those things either. It's wonderful when our girls do something huge and amazing, be it for their gold award or whatever, but some things in some people's lives are even harder to overcome than a huge project like that. And seeing them do that is amazing. I definitely agree. That's a really good one. What, as a troop leader, what is one of your craziest or silliest um, memories? There was a time when I was a girl guide leader that my girls accidentally did a triathlon. <laughs> what? <laughs> we had a, a local um, like girl guide water day where they were trying different water sports and things. And uh, two of my girls got... Uh, were dropped off in the wrong place and the parents left and, <laughs> and there were all these people getting ready to swim. So the girls all got ready to swim too and off they went. And there uh, about half a kilometre along the beach, uh, there was, yeah, there was the start of this triathlon and my girls were in it for at least like 15 minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is hilarious. Uh, okay. Oh, no, it was great. Fortunately, they were very uh, athletic girls who were good swimmers, but I think after a while they they kind of like, there are men here. There are, there are men. <laughs> is, is this? And they're kind of like looking around and, and um, they were swimming along parallel to the shore um, where I live. The, further out is not, not great for ocean swimming. And so they were kind of in a place where they could swim in a little bit and stand up and then they'll <laughs> see a, see all these people in guide uniforms further along the beach and be like, um, I think we're in the wrong place. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're working with, you know, children and animals, something will always go crazy at some point. Definitely. That's why it's one of my questions because it's so fun. Um, what is one of the coolest adventures or experiences that you've gotten to do with your troop? You know, it, it, it may not be cool in the traditional sense, but I just have a very wonderful memory of a morning, a Saturday morning, um, about two years ago in September, we were camping at one of our council's local camps we got up and the girls were full of energy and ready to go and we thought we'd just go exploring a bit and we ended up walking on a on a short trail out to this overlook where you can see right across the valley and just the sun was just right and everyone was in a great mood we took some wonderful photos and I just it was about two hours of just having quiet fun 
and not planned or anything. It was just completely spontaneous. And I will remember that as a really peaceful and joyful couple of hours, probably for as long as I live. It was fantastic. And I guess it's just one of those little serendipitous things that, you know, sometimes you can plan something for days and days and it'll turn out to be a yawner. And then sometimes you can just, something just happens out of the blue and it's something you'll remember forever. Gosh, that's so true. So Girl Scouting and Girl Guiding don't just help girls grow, they help adults grow too. So what's one way you've been impacted or changed through your experience of volunteering as an adult? I think in terms of volunteering here, it's allowed me to meet people and make friends in a way that I probably would not have been able to otherwise. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's hard coming in somewhere as an immigrant and then you at risk of um, only meeting people at your workplace. Um, and I am a scientist. I'm a geneticist. Um, I work in clinical genetics. And everyone I work with is a lot like me, um, how they think about things, all that sort of stuff. Um, no matter where I go in the world, because we're working in sort of a lab thing, but it's given me the chance to see this new country that I've come to um, and go to places that tourists wouldn't go and meet people from small towns that I would never otherwise meet. And we've instantly got something in common, but, other, but apart from that, we can be very, very different. And I think that's really interesting. That's a very good one. I love that. Okay, let's leave off on this one because I've kept you for long enough. <laughs> um, what advice would you give a new troop leader? Connect, reach out. Um, and it doesn't have to be within your council. Get on Facebook and join one of the big groups where thousands of women are talking about the problems that they have or the ways they've found things to work. You can ask questions. If you don't know what a word means, ask and 200 people will tell you. Listen to podcasts, read stuff, because I found that there was things that I only really picked up on after three or four years because I had assumed it worked one way. And it took me a while to, to realize that that's not actually what was happening at all. And I think part of that is because I came into it with ideas from another place of how things worked. But um, yeah, connect. If, if your council doesn't give you a mentor, find one and go to your service unit meeting. Please go to your service unit meeting. It'll make your life a whole lot easier. Yeah, why does everyone skip them? That is such a, like, it's such a common thing. <laughs> why? Because they could usually be an email. But <laughs> an, email an email is not going to help you meet people, people that you can work with, people that you can plan things with, people who know someone who has stuff that you need or, yeah, that treat them as networking things. You probably don't need all those pieces of paper your service unit manager is giving you. She could have emailed them to you. However, you are, there are people there. Talk to those people. They will have a lot in common yeah. with you, otherwise you wouldn't both be there. With all of that being said, thank you so much for all your time and um, for such an interesting conversation. I loved this. I loved getting to meet you and hear about your experiences. And um, I just really appreciate you. 
Oh, you're very welcome. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast over the last few years. Well, I really appreciate that you listen. And so for those of you who are listening right now, if you've been listening for a few years, it's time. You need to come on the show. So reach out to me on Facebook if you have it or email me at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com and let's get you on the schedule because you have stories to share and I want to hear them and so does everyone else. So um, I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. I want to hang out with you for a while because it's so fun. And um, with that being said, if you need to find the Facebook group, if you're on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash Podcast, and there's a join group button. Um, or if you're not on Facebook, shoot me an email. I'm going to be doing an email list going forward so that non-Facebook people can be kept in the loop. So um, so yeah, you definitely want to be at least in one of those two places. And um, again, my email is girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. And I hope to hear from you soon. Kate, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.